Good morning and welcome to April 20th. It's a brand new Monday and the start of another great week for me. As I'm thinking about Abraham's response to the Lord when the three men appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18, and Abraham said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. That's a word, friends, from Genesis 18, 3 and 4. And it's a picture for me about how important it was not only for Abraham, but again for Jesus, that we all pay special attention to our feet. As for most of us, we ask them to carry both figuratively and literally a lot of weight. That's the topic on this Monday's show on the Word on Wellness with Chris Hughes, Footloose and Faithful. I'm Bo Ellis with Christ Across America. I'm coming to you from our Tampa studios, and joining me by cell phone is your own chief wellness instigator, Chris Hughes. Hey, Chris, what's going on? Hey, Bo, having a great day. How about yourself? Well, I'm glad I was able to catch you um, driving, as you usually are, as you're the trusty uh, sales rep and making tents like his uh, Apostle Paul. Talk to me, Chris, a little bit about this week's topic. What in the world are Nigerian uh, runners doing on our podcast? And, and why would I ever be out you know, running wind sprints on a golf course with no shoes on? What in the world are we talking about this week? Well, I guess you could say it's a little bit practical or where the rubber meets the road or where our feet hit the road. And I guess ultimately what we're getting at is some improved running techniques so our bodies, namely our feet and our knees and hips and all that will last longer. But um, I guess I have a story when I first got into a little bit of trouble with what, I, what I'd what now just say was overtraining. Kind of going back to my late 20s, early 30s, I first got into doing some road races, you know, 5Ks and then a few 10Ks. And I had recently moved to Tampa and you know the big race that goes on in February in Tampa, right, Bo? The Gasparilla Invasion. Uh, Jose Correct. Gaspar is going to take over the city, and it's a great tradition here in Tampa. For those of you who've never been in February, uh, come. And while you're here, go ahead and take in the marathon with uh, me and Chris next year and George. You know, there you go. Well, I wasn't ready for a marathon or half marathon at that point. For me, the, my first participation in Gasparilla was with their 15K, and they also do a 5K. But for me, a 15K, which is uh, 9.3 miles, that was a pretty big accomplishment or goal for me. And so I set to running harder than I had ever run before. And at the time, I was living up in the New Tampa area, and I would run down kind of the main road at Hunter's Green, except I'd run on the sidewalk. What are sidewalks made of? Sidewalks are concrete. Concrete, and, and it that is the hardest running surface I think that we could possibly find. And I was doing this at least five days a week, and I'd probably run three or four miles at a, at a, at a time. And after a couple months of this kind of training, my knees were shot, they would be swollen, I'd have to literally ice them after every run. I was taking aspirin or Advil before my runs just so that I could keep up this, this training program. And I thought, gosh, this is this is tough being a distance runner. And I, I went ahead and kind of followed through, but definitely not the healthiest approach. And it was just a little, little 
time after that experience where uh, I was beating up my legs on the concrete and, and overtraining that I, I did a couple things. One, and this may be a selfish plug for one of the products I sell, but I discovered uh, glucosamine and chondroitin, which uh, you can buy that stuff just about anywhere now. But back then, uh, you know, this goes back over 12 years ago, Bo. It was not a readily accepted deal. You know, you couldn't find it in a Publix or a, a typical store. And, and I bought it from a company in the form of a product called Joint Matrix. And I still sell it and I still swear by it. I think it's great and everybody should use it. Your, your overweight buddy uses Joint Matrix daily. And um, yeah, I don't have knee problems and, and uh, I don't have these achy joints. And I probably should. And I just want to thank you for turning me on to that product and and again it's not a show to pitch products but look it's a tool it's an opportunity to to improve and to to be a better witness if you're out there with a smile on as opposed to grinding through that run every day so talk to me a little bit more well the other thing i discovered was that running on concrete is not the smartest way to go and i don't know if that was something that i picked up in runner's world but um I have since learned that even asphalt is more forgiving, but even way better than that would be golf course running or running on grass. And so as much as I could, I got off road as many times as I could. I'd run on a golf course or at the very least like a dirt dirt path. And, and wherever I go, I try to find some sort of you know off-road option because it really, truly bears your joints and, and the pounding that occurs. Talk to me about um, the, the pounding uh, up at Hunter's Green. Was it your, your ankles, your heels, your knees, your what? I mean, what was really causing you grief? Well, in that situation where I was running on the sidewalk and I was still a heel-toe runner, uh, I, I know the, the most concentrated source of pain and swelling were my knees. And I'd never experienced something like that before. So uh, I, I was, I guess I was really... Uh, concern that I just wasn't cut out to be a long-distance runner uh, with, with those kind of symptoms. But it wasn't long after kind of backing off on the training, taking some joint matrix, and getting off of the, the concrete sidewalk that my my symptoms went away. Now, let me tell you another experience, though, that um, my first marathon uh, uh, program, which was also at Gasparilla, this was many years later, but... At that time, or up to that time, while I was running on softer surfaces, I was still a heel-toe runner. And that is traditionally how we coach long-distance runners, in this country anyway, to run. And that is with a gait where when you your, your leg goes out and your heel contacts the ground first, and then you'll roll to the balls of your feet and then step off. So again, that's traditionally how uh, we run here in, in, in the States. And that was my form. Well, I've, I've trained for my first marathon and did the long runs. Um, didn't have the knee pain, but definitely experienced some hip pain. And I remember finishing that marathon and thinking, this is the dumbest thing in the world. Because I, I was in so much pain and discomfort between my knees, uh, but even more in my hips. And if you, you kind of look at the way or the form of a heel-toe runner, 
your hip has to absorb a lot of the shock. When your heel is coming and pounding down and your, your leg is almost straight, where does all that energy go? Well, some of it goes to your knees, but a lot of it ends up in your hip. And so it was, it was my resolution after that marathon, at least initially, that I would never do this again. Well, you know that's not true then, don't you? Well, it's like a bad round of golf. You know, it takes only one good shot to get you back out there. Hey, I wanted to ask you about your hips. You know, for me, Chris, at mile 13, 15, I've done, I think, a 16-mile run. It's probably the longest run I've ever done. And it's my lower, mid-lower back. And it's, I just get all tight. It's usually one side or the other. And all of a sudden, I'm really starting to feel like this is um, is, is, is going to prevent me from, from going on. So was your hip pain to, to the point where you felt like you were just going to have to shut it down and, and walk it in? Well, no, it, I was able to get through. I mean, you you know, that's, I guess, part of the culture of a marathon is that you, you endure the pain, and that's why it's such an accomplishment, because you just keep keep pushing on one step at a time. But I, I definitely felt that this wasn't the right way to do it, and, and I couldn't understand how people could sign up for marathon after marathon if if that was their experience. How much of this is heel-toe, heel-toe as a a cause? Well, I I think now in this situation, uh, at least in my case, the majority of that pain was a result of heel-toe. And and here's why I say that. Shortly thereafter, or after that first marathon experience where I felt like I turned into stone, I discovered key running. And that is a, a, a method of running, more of a uh, midfoot strike that's really catching a lot of momentum uh, started by or is a book written by a guy named I believe Danny Dreyer is his name he lives in Asheville and he now travels around the country doing these clinics teaching people how to run in this chi running technique and he, he teaches in his book and of course at his clinics though I've never attended but he teaches instead of landing on the heels you land more uh, on the balls of your feet with kind of a midfoot strike, and your leg is in, or your knee is bent more so that when you're contacting the ground, your leg becomes a natural shock absorber. So instead of all that energy going straight up your leg into your hip, it's absorbed uh, almost like a spring, if that makes any sense. There's definitely some more technique than, than just that involved because you want to create a posture that takes into account every part of your body I mean from your heel all the way up to the top of your head and you have to maintain a certain posture to derive the benefits but anyway that's how I have since been running in that way and my, my, my follow up marathons while my muscles get tired I definitely have figured out that that's the solution to getting that, that beat up uh, hip and knee problem Hey, man, thanks for that. You know, for me, Chris, I've always tried to have the old shoulders back, you know, straight up and down, real perpendicular kind of approach. And I've tried this chi running technique after I read your blog piece. It's 1010 Wellness. I'm here with Chris Hughes, your own chief wellness instigator of 1010wellness.com. And Chris, I read the piece and I go out there and I'm kind of landing on my toes and and all of a sudden I feel like I'm bent over, hunched over, almost like I'm going to fall down like a bowling pin. And I wonder how you might coach us to, to practice or try this technique where uh, it doesn't feel so uncomfortable. Well, I would definitely recommend the book, but 
in a in a 60 second piece, I would tell you that to envision a string going from the top of your head as if you were a puppet, but uh, that string would go straight through your head all the way to your heel. And if that string bends at your hip, then you're doing it wrong. In other words, you should have a straight posture from the top of your head to your heel. And the way you increase your pace is just by leaning forward and allowing gravity to kind of pull you forward as opposed to a more upright run where your legs are having to push off more uh, to generate propulsion. So the chi running technique involves leaning forward, allowing gravity to kind of pull you, and as a result, another part of your body that's more engaged when you run this way is your core, because your core is trying to kind of hold your body erect as opposed to just kind of slumping over. Yeah, a couple things. The core for me is so key on the on the bicycle. I spend most of my training on a bike and the core really for me is where it all is at. I want to go visual with you to St. Anthony's two years ago. I'd gotten off the bike. I did a really hard bike because I'm trying to keep up with those pointy helmet, you know, wackos. And when I got off the bike, my legs are gone and I just get into my little 11 and a half, 12 minute kind of crawl and I'm just going to finish this run and, and call it a day. And I was so interested to see all the different styles. And and I remember one guy in particular, he must have been 80 years old. He blows by me. He must be doing, I guess, a nine-minute type of clip. And his feet hardly left the ground. He's literally kind of slide-stepping through this thing. And then the next guy by me is probably 18 years old, and his heels are kicking himself in the hamstring. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, there's definitely a lot of different forms or techniques that you're going to see out there and as my first triathlon coach pointed out we're all an experiment of one and some people because of their biomechanics end up with a different uh, a different technique or a different form than others but the, the the method that I was talking about where where you're running in a, in a forward posture does cause you to kind of kick up your heel a little bit so so instead of your foot going out in front of you, it's kind of behind you, and you will see more of a of a heel almost up to the up to the butt. But uh, the other thing, though, with regard to uh, golf course running, to strengthen your feet, run barefoot, and you you can look back to some of the you know ancient civilizations. They didn't wear running shoes, and you probably didn't hear. They didn't experience much foot problems, not like we hear about today, and um, I guess the person that I read this suggested that the the reason for that is because they ran barefoot, and they had a stronger foot bed, so to speak, than, uh, than those of us that are wearing these cushioned running shoes, and I guess another source that kind of mirrored this was um, Phil Maffetone, who coached some of the best Ironman triathletes ever, and he said you know, forget about wearing cushion trainers. He said, go to Walmart and buy the, the, just the flattest athletic or tennis shoes that you can and use those for running. And as a result, you're going to, you're going to strengthen your footbed. All of those muscles and tendons in your foot are going to become stronger. And I know this to be true. And the other thing, when you're running with less covering your feet, you're almost forced to run in a midfoot gait, as, as in chi running. Certainly if you're running barefoot, and by the way, one of the teams I just coached, Bo, 
bought me a pair of these uh, funky-looking, I, I can't call them running shoes. They're, they're, they're like slippers, really. They're called Vibram Five Fingers. And it's basically a neoprene upper with this rubber outsole that literally has five different slots for your toes. So it kind of looks like a glove for your foot. And it was designed for, I think, water use, but it got adapted by runners. People, guys and girls that like to run off-road and really didn't need a cushioned piece of equipment. They just needed something to keep the, the small pebbles and rocks and maybe uh, just any kind of pointy things in the trail off of their feet. So... They got me a pair of those things, and I've run in them a couple of times. But when you have something like that, you're really forced to run and land in a softer, um, uh, or have a softer landing because heel-toe running just won't work when you got no cushioning down there. So same thing for running on a golf course. Go out and do it barefoot. I've traveled. I've often found parks, and people look at me kind of crazy, but I'll, I'll run to the park. Set my uh, my running shoes on a park bench and then take off and run around the fields with my bare feet. And I think it's a, just a terrific way to uh, to strengthen up your feet and make them stronger. Well, it's practical and I appreciate it. Is it is it long distance or sprints or what? What do you recommend there? Uh, it could be both, Bo. I mean, I, I will I'll be running around the park doing some big loops. Um, you know, some of these loops could be a quarter to a half a mile, but then also in in the same workout, I'll incorporate some sprints where if they have an athletic field, I'll do uh, some 100-yard dashes or 50-yard dashes, you know, things like that to, to uh, improve my, uh, you know, my wind. Well, Chris, there's a lot of evidence in the Bible for shoes, but they're usually open-toed and they're probably not for running. You mentioned, um, you know, back in history that there weren't any New Balance, but there's a lot in the New Testament, obviously, about sandals. And I wanted to talk uh, from Matthew 3.11 today. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist was preparing the way uh, for Jesus, and it's funny that he talks about sandals uh, as something that uh, he would need to be fit to carry. There's another reference in the Bible, Chris, about sandals having value from Ruth 4.7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. And it's interesting, Chris, isn't it, that shoes could be something of barter or of currency exchange. And in our time, they're just $125 minimum investment just to keep yourself from hurting yourself, I think. For me, I bought the most cushy New Balance I could find, being a guy that carries a lot of body weight, and I'm probably in need of buying a new pair. So before we go, Chris, tell me a little bit about the shoes that you're using now. How often do you trade those out for a, a new pair? Okay, Bo, I'm not the best source or resource with regard to shoes because I'm not I'm not a believer in buying the cushion trainers and replacing them every four or five hundred miles. I like to as much as possible to uh, you know to run off road and, and in those situations your footwear is not you know keenly important. But that said, if you're if you're you're strictly limited to road running, if you're a city dweller or if you just don't have any off road options, you definitely want to find something. And I would suggest you go to a specialty running shoe store. 
They have trained people that will literally measure your feet. These guys have different ways to tell, tell you what kind of a foot shape you have and which type of shoe would be the best for your type of foot. In addition to wearing good shoes, we should also look at ways to create good feet, whether that's running golf, uh, barefoot on a golf course or you know getting off-road and wearing just in flats. But... Um, be sensible and here's where I need to throw that disclaimer in you know if you're a person that has some some poor biomechanics and uh, or, or other types of problems with your with your uh, with your body or your bones you want to have that checked out whether it's through a therapist physical therapist or chiropractor something like that because you know you can get yourself hurt and make it worse by following this knucklehead in some situations so probably two-thirds of the population shouldn't have to do that but for those that do you know be sensible we appreciate the uh the word from ruth and from matthew and from john the baptist chris uh, the key for us as christians is you know our feet are supposed to carry us from one ministry opportunity to the next and you know sitting on the couch you probably won't get much ministry done unless you uh, let your fingers do the walking and call a friend and check on somebody see how they're doing and see how we can be an encouragement to those who might need encouragement today so chris let's make sure that our sandals are are worthy of being carried and let's make sure that we stay in the word and stay on purpose about leading others into lifestyles and activities they can get excited about and in the case of the gospel uh, to a truth in knowing that jesus christ uh, came and died and rose again so that we could live forever in heaven with him. Why don't you pray for us? Thanks, Bo. And, and folks, I do hope that some of these words are helpful because we want, like Bo said, to lead you into lifestyles that, uh, that'll that just make you healthier and ultimately make us more effective uh, for the kingdom. And uh, goodness knows we're better when we're feeling good and healthy. So, Lord, thanks for this opportunity to share just some of our experiences with, with uh our time outside running and, 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 and enjoying your abundance. I pray for everyone who's listening, Lord, that uh, they could find the time and the way and, and, and ideally find the person to, to uh, start a wellness program, to get exercising, to strengthen themselves and strengthen others in, in hopes that uh, that strength can be used to glorify you and bring others to your kingdom. We ask for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, brother. It's the Word on Wellness with Chris Hughes. I'm Bo Ellis with Christ Across America, where we are creating awareness for ministries and missionaries who are getting it done in the tough places in local communities. And Chris Hughes, your own chief wellness instigator, will be back next week, Monday morning. Uh, You can find Chris's blog and other fun stuff at 1010wellness.com. We really appreciate you listening. Know that we're praying for you. Drop us an email. Drop us a comment or a line. For now, this is Christ Across America asking you where are you allowing Jesus to work in your life today. Thanks for listening.